that we would know that you are near. You're all we've ever wanted. You're more than life to us. And we just want to be those that would honor you in all that we say, all that we do, and all that we are. And so we pray as we would turn to your precious word that you will come and you would write your word on our hearts and that we would hear from you today in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Amen. We're turning again to First Peter. First Peter chapter 5. And we may well come to the end uh, today. First Peter uh, chapter 5, and we will read from verse 5 to the end. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility, for God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him who cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist them, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you. Thus does Mark, my son, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so, Father, we pray over your word right now that it would indeed bring uh, peace to our hearts and not trouble. That you would bring a, a sense of well-being to each and every one of us. That you will draw near and that you will speak in a very real way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, verse 8 starts, be sober. It doesn't say be somber. It says be sober. And we need to be those that are free from all mental uh, and spiritual intoxication. You see, I have known people that would never touch alcohol. 
and yet they are as jumbled in their minds as a drunk man is. You see, a drunk man will slur his words, and it comes from slurred thinking. And a drunk man will get something in his mind, and no matter what you say to him, he just keeps rhyming over the same old thing, time and time and time again. It's the entrance of God's Word that brings light. It's the entrance of God's Word that brings life. And we need to be careful that we don't get like the drunk man, that we know it all, and we have it all sussed out, and we have it all sorted out, because God has a habit of doing things in a different manner than we would do them. And so we need to be those that are not just self-controlled, but we are those who are spirit-led. You know, oh, that we would know God the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth. Oh, that we would know God the Holy Spirit being with us on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis. That we would be like Elisha of old, who wasn't panicked into a shock reaction when something happens. You know, when something happens in your life, where do you go? To whom do you turn when something happens in your life? You see, I have learned, and I have to say this, I'm continuing to learn that no matter what happens, I go to the rock of my salvation. No matter what happens to me in life, I go to the Lord. I go to the Lord because He knows more about the situation than I do. I, I, I watched the thing for a minute or two. I think it was last night on TV. If it wasn't last night, it was the night before uh, on a, uh, it was an old channel. Um, and there was a thing about Blair Main. Did anybody see it by any chance? I could tell you anything now. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you anything. Uh, and they were talking about the, the early formation of the SAS and how Blair Mayen took over uh, and how he really put a stamp on it. And uh, he had been kept hemmed up in headquarters for so long and they weren't letting him get involved in any action. But the war was progressing and, uh, and uh, they agreed that they would let Blair Mayen go back and just to go from place to place to encourage the troops. He was not supposed to be in action. But he came along to a place where the, the SAS were, were hemmed down and the Germans had them totally surrounded. And uh, they started to talk about what could be done and, and, and everybody just said it was going to be the biggest loss the SAS ever faced. And uh, they called him Paddy and they said, and Paddy sat down and and Paddy sat in the Land Rover and he started to play Percy French. And he started to listen to this music. 
And the gun battle was going on all around him and he just started to listen to this music. And he turned around to the person beside him and he says, it's now time. And he drove down the road as hard as the wee jeep would go. Did a handbrake turn at the end. They sprayed a few boys as they went by the first time. They did a handbrake turn at the end of the road, got the wee jeep back up to full speed, sprayed another lot of boys. And by the time Paddy Meehan was finished, the Germans were all finished and the SAS didn't lose another troop. And they said after it was all over, you know, it was the rashest thing that anybody had ever done in the British Army. And they had put down that he was to get the Victoria Cross and when they read into all the details of it, they put their pen through the Victoria Cross and they didn't give it to him. Biggest travesty ever in the British Army. Paddy Meehan said this. He said, I wasn't reckless at all. He said, I sat down. He said, I calmed myself before I ever went into action. I looked at what could be done and decided I was going to do something about it. Child of God. We need, when we are faced with things, to learn from that. That there is a time where we sit down and we don't play Percy French, but we get into the presence of the Lord. And we seek the face of God and we ask God, what is it, Lord, that you want me to do here? Do you want me, as Moses was at the Red Sea, to stand still and see your great salvation work out that you're just going to do it? Or, Lord, do you want me to be like Elisha of old when he was surrounded by the enemy? And he turned around to his servant and he says, Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? You see, we need to understand this, that we need to be controlled. We will either be controlled by fear or we will be controlled by faith. And if we are controlled by faith, then we go to the living God and we ask him, what is it, Lord, that you want me to do? And if we're going to be well-balanced and spirit-filled, we need to have clear heads that we might hear what it is that the Lord wants us to do in this particular situation. We need to learn from the world in which we live. And a good undercover officer in the world in which we live will watch his enemy, that he might find out where his weaknesses are. We need to understand, child of God, that we are never off guard. We are never off duty. We need to be sober in this. We need to be vigilant in this because your adversary, your adversary, the devil, and I tell you, he is an adversary. We need to be sober. We need to be alert. We need to have an understanding that we have an adversary. We have one that wants to stand against us and he doesn't want us to know the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so the word that is used in the Greek here, nepho, oh, that we would be calm and collected in spirit, that we would be those who would not take things personally when people say things to us, but that we would learn to carefully consider all circumstances when we're in the, the storms of life, help us, O oh God, to measure our words knowing there will be another day. Barclay puts it like this. 
We're to refrain from drunkenness. We're to have steady minds. We are to be those who are balanced in our judgment, self-controlled sons of the light who desire to bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord. All that we would get that in our souls. A sewer man or a woman is dedicated and diligent just like an athlete. Just like an athlete. You know, uh, where does your dedication take you? Uh, how easy are you put off? I, I often think of my wee brother. You know, our, our, our spud wanted to join the RUC as it was in them days, and he wanted to be an anti-terrorist officer. That's what he wanted to do. That's what he wanted to do. But there were a number of things. One was in those days you had to be five foot eight to get in. And he was five foot seven and a half, no matter how he did it. But he decided he was going to do it. So he used to go out into our garage, jump up and catch on the beam, lock his arms above the beam, and just hang there. I laughed, my uncle David come up one day and the garage door was just open, you know, about that distance there. And he ran into the house and he shouts, Billy, Billy, come quick, I think Spud's hung himself. He went out and I, I had hung himself, hung himself in the beam. And then he discovered that he was a wee bit bigger in the morning after lying in bed all night long and gravity not pulling him down. And between everything, he managed to get in. Not only did he manage to get in, he decided that he was leaving school and he was running every day and he was doing press-ups, set-ups, all that sort of stuff. And he got to where he wanted to get because he was diligent and seeking after his pursuit. I wonder today, how do we seek after the Lord and his presence and him moving in our hearts? Are we diligent about it? No matter what the, the obstacles are, do we say, in his name I can overcome? I'm going to get into the presence of the Lord and I'm going to seek the Lord and I'm going to hear the Lord and I'm going to know the Lord. I'm going to know the Lord. You know, in those days, he used to rise really early in the morning and go out and run. Where do we run whenever we rise? Do we run into the world and work and get caught up with it? Or do we run into the presence of the Lord and hear from him who can prepare us for the day that lies in front of us? You know, we, we need to get a clear understanding that nothing is wasted in God. No experience that you ever go through in life will be wasted in God. And we live in a changing world, and we live in a world where the church is changing, and the church is not changing for the better in many cases. It is not changing for the better in many cases. But we need to be those that seek the face of God. We need to be those, I believe, that are different. We need to be sober and we need to be vigilant. And we need to understand that our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we need to understand that we as the people of God are the only ones that God has here. 
in a world where everybody blames everybody else, we need to be those that learn, as the previous verse told us, to cast our cares on him that cares for us. And we need to be those that pray, men ought always to pray and not give up. Listen, we need to pray and pray and pray and pray and believe that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly far above all that we ask. We need to be alert. We need to be watchful. We need to be in a constant state of watchfulness. Those that were at McDonald's a lot of Saturday nights ago with the young ones, put up your hand. The chief constable of the PSNI was in McDonald's when we were in. Can anybody remember where he sat? Corner. He got himself back up into the corner. And he was right in the corner. And he had a full view of the door. He had a view from over this side, that side, and he was sitting in the corner. And the whole time he sat and he enjoyed his food. Well, no man was a new diet. Or if he was, the wife didn't know he was there. And he was making up for it. But the whole time he was alert, he was watching. He had his bodyguards there and all the rest, but he was alert and he was watching. Do you know something? We need to be watchful. We need to be watchful day and night, no matter where we are, because you don't know who's watching you. You do not know who is watching you. And I can tell you there have been so many times in my life where people said, oh, I seen you the other day, and you go, no, you didn't. And they went, oh, yes, I did. You were in such and such a place. And then you start to realize, you know, and being watchful and being alert. The word that was used here, there's a word picture painted in the Greek, and it's of one trying to cross a river on green, slimy stones. Did you ever try walking on green, slimy stones at the beach? It's very difficult. You don't take great big steps, do you? No, you don't. You take small steps. If you've any wisdom, you just move very gently and you take one wee step and another wee step and another wee step and another wee step and you watch where you're putting your feet. You know something, child of God? We need to learn to work, walk circumspectly. We need to learn to walk gently. We need to learn to take small steps with the Lord. And when you're starting to walk in the Spirit and you're asking God to show you stuff, take small steps, bit by bit by bit. Take small steps, bit by bit by bit, and you will find that the Lord will lead you and the Lord will guide you. So we need to be alert. We need to understand this, that our so-called perceived strengths can be our weaknesses. Anybody here ever going to Edinburgh? Gone to the castle? Looked at it? Right, so we, we, we know the picture. So you have the rugged cliff face up this side here. And you have the gentle slope up this side here. If you were going to take Edinburgh Castle, where would you go? Talk to me, somebody. Huh? You go to the car park, right? You go up the easy slope, wouldn't you? You would pick that if you were going. You know, Edinburgh Castle has only ever fell by the cliff face. Not by the gentle slope. Because they never ever dreamt that anybody would ever come up the cliff face. 
They never dreamt that it would be possible that anybody would come up the cliff face. Do you know something? When we think we're strong, we're weak. When we think we're strong, we go on our own strength. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Oh, that we would understand that we are weak people. And our adversary disguises himself as an angel of light. Listen, when the devil comes like a roaring lion, he's easier dealt with, and we'll come to that in a wee minute. But you see, when he comes as an angel of light, he seems so perfect and lovely and wonderful. Young people, you be careful who you go with. Because there is many a one will come to you as an angel of light. And they're just going to do this, and they're just going to do that, and they're just going to do the other thing. It's a wee bit like the story of the, the, the minister that was preparing the, the bride for the wedding, and she was all excitable, and he had to get her calmed down a wee bit. And he said, listen, it's dead simple. Don't overcomplicate it. All you have to remember is three things. Is you walk up the aisle at your moment, you take it nice and easy. You get up to the front and you look at him. And then there's just the altar. And she was heard walking up the aisle saying, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. And listen, we can all laugh at that. But you know, there's many as a one. And they want to alter you. They want to take the spark of God out of you. They want you to change and just be normal and just be like everybody else around you. You be who God wants you to be. You be careful who you go with it of a heart after God. You know, be alert. First uh, Corinthians 16 and 13 says this, Be alert, stand firm in faith, and act like men. You know, there are very few men about. There's a lot of pussies about. There are very few men about. Men, be men. And love your wives and honor them. There are five lessons that we can quickly learn in 1 Peter chapter 5. Number one, we need to learn to subject ourselves to authority. We are living in a world today that's full of anarchy. Uh, and authority is looked down at and laughed at. Well, God put authority in the church. And there are leadership structures in the church ordained by God. We need to learn for our sakes to subject ourselves to them. You say, what happens if they make decisions that you don't agree with? Well, then you just have to trust that they have heard from God and that God is sovereign and God is doing something that you just don't know about at this present point in time. Number two, humble yourselves. Because you see, if you don't humble yourself, God will start to resist you. And I tell you, I would rather have God help me than God resist me. Amen. So, humble yourselves. Seek God's time and God's way. Do you know, God's timing is perfect. God's ways are just. And whenever you can understand that God is overall, that God is moving, God is doing something, then you can be cool about it, as the world would say today. 
In other words, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Finally, three rolled in together. You can be sure of God's care. You be sober-minded. Be spiritually alert. And God will lead you and God will guide you and God will move and do something that you just don't see. Now, we need to watch out and not give the enemy the slightest opening. I sat in horror one day as I listened to somebody talking. And they looked at a child and they said, he's just getting to the right size now to pop through windows. And I looked. And I went, God forbid that this would ever happen. But you know something? I, I've seen great big, big stocky, strong men. And they can't break into houses. But they get a wee skinny weight of a child. And they'll put them through the windows to go and open the door. Whenever I was in Brookborough, I'll never forget it, one day a knock come to the door. And I went, and it was Lady Brookborough was standing at the door. And she said, excuse me, your daughter's quite thin, isn't she? And I went, Yes. I said, she's in school. Oh, no, don't worry, the school will, uh, will work. She said, uh, I have a slight problem. She said, I, I've just locked myself out of the house. And uh, Alan's away, and we, we can't get in, and, uh, and one really needs to get into the house. So I ran down to school, we got Sarah out. And we managed to get this wee, wee, tiny window, and we got her to put the one arm in. You know, she was like, you see, and bolt. <laughs> They got there and we got her shoved in through the window. And then, horror of all horrors, there was this animal of a dog coming. She said, oh, I forgot about the dog. <laughs> but we got things calmed down and Sarah moved nice and slowly and she came along and all she had to do was that there. And she opened the front door of the house and Lady Brooke was able to walk into her house again. You know something? We're not to leave the slightest gap that the enemy can get in. Because you see, if the enemy gets in, he will open the door and all sorts of things will start to come in. And I have seen people that made compromises with just a wee thing. And before they knew it, all sorts of things were getting into their lives. We need to make sure we don't let the devil get anyone into our minds or anything into our minds. Listen, we need to be aware of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If you start to lust after something, and you see you're starting to lust after something, would you stop straight away? Would you stop straight away and say, Lord, would you help me to get my focus back on you? Lord, would you help me to see you? Lord, would you help me not to fall here? Would you give me the strength and the wisdom and the help that I need so that I will not fall? 
You know, whenever temptation comes, you start praying in the name of Jesus and you keep on praying. We need to beware of apathy. Apathy fills the world today. Apathetic people that... We need to stay awake and be alert at all times. Never switch off. Past victories don't exempt you from new struggles. And in the last days, the Bible says there are going to be many false teachers and there's plenty of them about today. There are so many people that are dead when you hear them pray. I have listened to people pray on the, oh, the dead lice has fallen off them. The dead lice has fallen off them. Listless prayer. All we need those who are alive in the Spirit is the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's what it is. It's those who know to come into his presence and call on his name that see things happen. Amen. And we need to pray that God would keep us alive in the Spirit, that we would be those that would pray in faith and believe and see God change the world in which we live. We need to be alert because the king is coming. We need to be awake and be about the king's business because the king is coming. Make no mistake about it. And we want to be those that are about our father's business whenever he comes. Your adversary, the devil. You need to get this real in your head. Your adversary, the devil. He's your adversary. He's your adversary. He's my adversary. He's against you. You know, we live in a world today where there are so many mamby-pamby, soft Christians uh, and they don't even believe the devil's really real. My goodness, we just have to look out in the world in which we live in and we see the devil is real. Now, that doesn't mean to say we see the devil hiding under every stone and round every corner and we blame the devil for everything. But you need to understand that the devil is out against you. He doesn't like you. Do you ever notice there are people uh, uh, and there's a dog and they like them and then there's others and they hate them and he can be, you know, he's the same dog. Just he likes some people and he doesn't like other people. Well, the devil's the biggest dog there ever was. And let me tell you, it says he comes like a roaring lion, like an ang a roaring lion is an angry lion. Do you, do, you, do you ever meet a person when they're running about roaring and shouting? Falling their heads off. Are they in a good mood or a bad mood? A bad mood. Angry. I'll do this to you and I'll do that to you. We need to understand that uh, a roaring lion, uh, and you know, we, we don't really know that much about lions, do we? Who's the fastest man in the world? Usain Bolt. What does he run 100 meters in? 98. But well, wait, I tell you something. He wouldn't be gone 50 meters, the lion would have him. Because the lion just goes at exactly twice the speed of you see him bolt. Wow. A lion does 100 meters in uh, just under five seconds. Just under five seconds. A roaring lion, a mad lion. Is your adversary. So let me tell you something. If something's that fast and he's going to run for you, how do you beat him? 
Well, you certainly don't outrun him. So when the devil comes against you, don't you think you can outrun him? A lion is totally unpredictable in its hunting style. But it loves roaring when it's hunting. Because, generally speaking, a lion paralyzes its prey. Because when it roars, they know that its number's up. And they slow down. They can't move at the rate they want to because fear has taken over. And if a lion can fear you with his roar and what he says, and you're paralyzed and rendered ineffective through the taunts of the devil. You know, how many people here have ever heard the enemy come and say, you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, I want to tell you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the enemy says, you will never make it. But then I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You see, child of God, you just need to know who you are. You are the child of the living God. You just need to know that when you call on the name of the Lord that he will hear you. You just need to know that the word of God tells us how to overcome the roaring lion and they overcame him by the word of their testimony. In other words, I'm saved. By the blood of the lamb, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood has won victory over the devil. And they counted not their lives unto death. In other words, Lord, I don't care what's going to happen here. I'm trusting you. Friends, I can tell you that I have learned in my lifetime that in the very worst of situations where all sorts of things were manifest, the Lord has won through. I love what David Gusick, the commentator, says on this. He says, Satan is a lion who can roar all he wants, but he was defanged at the cross. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the devil may roar, and the devil may shout all sorts of things at you. We have been called to resist him in the name of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Very, very quickly. See, when the devil comes and says, you can't do this and you can't do that, we need to resist that thinking. We need to come against that thinking in the name of Jesus, and we need to replace it with the Word of God. We need to use the Word of God and say, I know who I am. I'm a child of the King. I know who I am. I've become a friend of God. I know who I am. We need to understand the difference in the one who is with us and the one who is against us. The one who is against us seeks saints to devour them. The devil wants to eat you up. Jesus, he seeks sinners that he might save them, he might transform them, he might perfect them. 
one day, take us home to glory. And he's never going to leave you, and he's never going to forsake you. And so when the devil comes and the devil roars at you, would you remember the words that are written in so many headstones? Safe in the arms of Jesus. I love that. That's the motto for my life. Safe in the arms of Jesus. You know, I've gone places and done things that I've always been safe in the arms of Jesus. Because he's the one that led me there. And the one that leads you is the one that will keep you and he's the one that will perfect you. And we just need to be alert, never switch off. And because we've won victories, we're not going to rest in them laurels, but we're going to keep going on with the Lord. And finally, I read this this week and I thought it was fantastic. And falconry, that's training a falcon or a hawk. When they're training a new bird, uh, they take out a wee thing called a, a shrike. Anybody ever hear of this? Yes? No? They take out a wee cage bird called a shrike. And generally speaking, when the, the falcon or the hawk is released, uh, it goes way, way up beyond the, the vision of the human eye. And so to keep an eye on where the hawk or the falcon is, they have this wee cage bird called a shrike. And they open up the cage and they let the shrike out. And the shrike gets one eye on the hawk. He can see better than a man can see. And he gets an eye on the hawk and they know where he's tilting his head, where the enemy is. I want to tell you, I've got better than a shrike. I've got the Lord God Almighty watching over my life. And he knows where the enemy is. And he knows what the enemy is at. He's the one that can keep me in perfect peace. The enemy plots and schemes as attacks. I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he has blessed me, tongue can never tell. And he watches over me, and he keeps his eye on me. And he's there to help me. He's there to perfect everything that concerns me. So be alert. But know this, our Redeemer lives. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is our great helper. He is our hope. He's our hope in ages past, and he's our hope for years to come. And there's no one like him. And you know, I didn't really get as far as I wanted to there this morning. But listen to this. We're so blessed to be found in him this morning, and for him to be found in us. Let's pray. Lord, we bless you that you're the one that is always there. You will never leave us and you will never forsake us. And we thank you, you are almighty God. And we're so blessed to be yours and found in your presence. Amen. Amen, Philip.